This episode of the Up for Discussion podcast is brought to you in part by Chaos Labs. Are you a screenwriter? A a screenwriter to be a wannabe screenwriter? Someone who has written a script and really, really wants to see it exist? You want to see it produced? You want to see it made into a proper film? Chaos Labs wants your script. You can hit the link in the description of this episode or just go to chaoslabs.com and submit a script to them because they are currently looking for, you guessed it, finished scripts so that they can help you produce it and make your dreams come true. Hit that link in the description if you have a script that you want to submit to them. If you don't have one, but you've been thinking about writing one. Maybe this is your excuse. Did I say the word script enough times? What about the word chaos? What if I told you chaos is spelled with a K? Bet you didn't see that coming. Go to chaoslabs.com and submit your script today. On with the show. You understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time. I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to episode 289 of Up for Discussion, a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Every week, we tackle a different ingredient, dish, or style of cuisine, sharing our favorite recipes and learning from our wonderful guests. Today, we're talking about barbecue. Not, you know... (laughs) all of barbecue. We're talking a little bit of barbecue basics, some of the things we wish we had known when we started, uh, a couple of secret techniques that we like to use, and of course our favorite things to eat off the grill. But before we dig in, I'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, I think it's important that we remember that that the lands that we occupy are not our own and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. I want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land that you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. Uh, I think on an episode where we're talking about barbecue, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that while, you know, the kind of typical image that comes to mind when you talk about barbecue is like the 4th of July party where a guy in a stars and stripes apron stands behind his grill flipping burgers, people have been cooking on fire for infinitely longer than that uh so it might actually be worth looking into what the like open flame cooking of where you live looked like prior to the invention of the grill uh but i'll let you do that research yourself because i don't know where you live now it's no secret that i am a big fan of barbecue if you follow me on instagram you know that i've spent a lot of time grilling this summer and that i have rebranded myself as the non-binary grill dad and that all of my favorite foods are smoky and delicious So when we decided we were going to turn this show into a food podcast, I knew we had to do a barbecue episode. But how do you talk about something as multifaceted, as controversial, and as versatile as barbecue, and only dedicate one episode to it? You don't. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to limit anything on this show to a single episode, because that'd be crazy. We're going to come back to things as many times as we need to, and I think that barbecue is one that we are going to come back to often and frequently, (laughs) and, uh, you know touch on something different every single time. For today's episode, henceforth known as Barbecue Part 1 out of, I don't know, probably lots, I'm going to be covering some basics of barbecue techniques, uh, the difference between gas and charcoal grills, a little bit about rubs and spice blends, and asking some of my pals about their favorite things to eat off the grill. Now, I personally only grill on charcoal. This is not a judgment against people who use gas. It's just I have only ever owned a charcoal grill. Uh, So I can only speak to the charcoal experience, so I made sure to call up some friends to shed some light on the gas side of things. 
let's get into it. My first guest on this week's episode is Tung La. Tung, do you want to situate yourself for people so that they know who you are and why I called you? Hello, everyone. I am Tung La. I'm the gassy guest for episode <laughs> one of Barbecue Time with Tom. I'm rebranding your show now. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Hey, everyone. I am Tung, like I said, and uh, pronounced like tongue in your mouth. And I am from the Pod Cavern Network, another podcasting network. Uh, not a rival network, I would no. say. We're all friends here. We pals. We're pals. We, kind of, we Tom was literally just on my show 30 minutes <laughs> ago, so we're good. Don't try to make a, us enemies. It won't happen. There's no Capulets Montagues thing happening here. No, only we'll only be enemies if Tom says some controversial barbecue stuff. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I feel like you're more qualified to be a barbecue master than I am. So. <laughs> you're really hitting this barbecue master thing home, eh? I, I, I think you are one. You're the only person that I know that loves barbecue more than they love uh, Paw Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> you're the only person. You know what? Fair enough. I'll take it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a podcaster. I'm an improviser. I am uh, just an all-round guy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> this early morning podcasts are hard, Tom. I, I agree with you there. <laughs> That's the best description I have for myself is that I am an all-round guy. <laughs> Sweet. Um, and you grill on gas, right? Yes. Yes, I do. So what's something that you wish you had known about, like, grilling on gas before you first did it. So how long have you been grilling also, I guess is an important thing to ask. This is a really good question, Tom. Um, this, okay, so my barbecue experience is kind of all over the place. I lived with my parents for years and years and years, and I wasn't allowed to touch the barbecue until <laughs> like months before I got to move out. I, then I moved out, and then I moved into another place. I had a barbecue that was broken after huh. the first two times that I used it. So I didn't barbecue my entire time there. I moved to another place, didn't even have a barbecue there, moved back with my parents, uh, barbecued a little bit. Now I was older and more mature, if you will, <laughs> and my dad trusted me with the grill, uh, but quickly moved out of there. And then I moved to Waterloo in an apartment where we didn't have a barbecue. So all is that to say is that I, oh, and in between that, I should mention that I had a job as a line cook where I did get to barbecue quite a bit for like a four month period at a golf course. Ah. But um, all that to say is that only recently within the last month and a half that I've been able to really just have my own barbecue that I got to barbecue regularly on. And that is on propane gas. All right. You know, I'm going to be honest. I, uh, I'm i in a kind of similar boat, which is to say that I grew up not really ever touching the barbecue at my house. Uh, didn't have one till, honestly, earlier this year. I always had, like, a tiny camping grill. Um, and those things, like, you can, I had enough room on it to cook a single steak. And I was just never in a situation where that was enough room, right? Uh, so I really only got super into grilling over the past like few months like over this summer basically when i was finally able to buy like a proper grill for myself so i think we're in mm. kind of a similar boat right right but i'm the master obviously you are the master and i'm just a padawan of you know 
I, I mean, it, it takes a while. Like, barbecuing looks easy on the outside. And, you know, if you're getting something simple where it's okay to overcook a thing, like a burger, for example, then it is pretty easy. You just toss it on and, and that's it. But there's some other things that, like steaks, for example, like mm-hmm. you need to have it at a certain temperature before you take it off the grill. Or even a sausage. Like, sometimes people don't want to have a fully cooked sausage, that kind of stuff. Sure. So there's definitely some finesse that, that goes into barbecuing. Totally. What's... um. So, so what is like something that, uh, that you wish you'd known before you started grilling? Like what, what's been like the biggest revelation for you since you started? This is going to sound stupid, but I literally didn't know this. I didn't know propane tanks expired. Oh, you know what? Honestly, that's, that's great to know. Cause I wouldn't know that either. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I brought in my now everyone's like, why did you get a barbecue noob on your barbecue podcast? <laughs> but like, no, this is good for everybody. It basically I brought my propane tank that we inherited from the previous owner of this house. Uh, it, it got empty. I went to Costco, which is very cheap for propane refills. By the way, everyone, if you have a Costco membership, that's where you want to do it. Whole tank refills ten dollars. Like what? Um, and I brought it to the guy, and he's just. Like, uh, you know, your propane tank's expiring at the end of the month. And I'm like, what? How does that, huh? Where do you, where does that even, how do you know? And I had all these questions and he's just kept looking at me. He's like, come on, move along now. Like other people are in line right now. But yeah, there is an expiry date on all propane tanks. So it's on the tank itself. It's on the tank. It's actually where the handle is, uh, uh-huh. where you lift it from. That's where it is. Huh. Yeah. I, I guess that would make sense, like maybe just for like wear and tear purposes, right? Like it wouldn't, you wouldn't want to have a propane tank that you've had for so long that it like starts to leak gas, for instance. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's the whole point of it. And uh, like we just refilled the one that was expiring at, actually a couple days ago okay. and we haven't used that one yet. But I think it's one of those things where it's like as long as you refill it before the expiry date and plan to use it that season then you're probably okay. It's kind of like expired milk and yogurt. Like you can use it a little bit longer after just like, don't count on it forever. I guess. Sure. Yeah. It's interesting. I, um, so I was looking into some of the like key differences between like gas and charcoal. Um, obviously there's a flavor difference because when you're burning charcoal, uh, on a grill, like the smoke that comes out of that just does impart a different flavor. Um, Mm -hmm. but the other difference is like in terms of price point. And one of the things that I like to do with this show is talk about ways to like make food accessible. Uh, and a big part of food accessibility is price point, right? Like making sure that, you know, if you don't have a huge budget, what is your best option? Um, and I really don't know when it comes to barbecuing, because frankly, (laughs) while a charcoal grill as an initial purchase is a lot cheaper than a gas grill, um, refilling your propane tank is a lot cheaper than buying charcoal on the regular. So it kind of just comes down to like, do you want to make an investment up front or do you want to have to pay slightly more each time that you're like renewing your resource essentially? Um, so I, I honestly don't know what I would tell people (laughs) in that kind of situation. Uh, I would say, you know, whatever amount you have that you're ready to spend on your grill at the time, should maybe influence it. Uh, if you're someone who super duper likes a taste of charcoal, I think it's a no brainer. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I'm pretty torn, honestly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess if I had like one more tip as, you know, barbecue noob, I would say, but uh, I mean, I think I, I, I'm doing a pretty good job with barbecuing, even <laughs> though I'm now finally fully into it is that I think it's very important to clean your grill, um, sure. clean it. Like I always oil up my grill before, 
I put um, stuff on it, and then I'll always, uh, you know, brush my my grates right after, essentially, mm-hmm. while the grill is hot. Yeah. And I think that's, like, a good time to do it, obviously, because, like, you know, the, the grill's still hot. It's so much easier to kind of, like, brush that stuff and gunk off of it while, like, the 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 heat allows it to kind of just crumble down to the bottom and then for me i'll always just oil it up again so i kind of do like a two oil thing where i'll oil it before and then oil it after and i think that just keeps the longevity of your grill uh you know and the taste of it pretty good throughout the season yeah totally no that's it 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 is like it is really important to regularly clean your grill because it's it's i mean if you think about it like as a like as you would any other piece of kitchen equipment, right? Like if you're looking at your pots and pans, like you wash those between uses, right? And you can't put your grill in the dishwasher. So you do have to do a little bit more to clean it. But honestly, like if you've got a decent grill brush, really all you need to do is scrape it. Just give it a good scrape. But you don't need to like do the full clean like every day because you want to have that smokiness, that all the other barbecue food kind of left over on the grates sure. to kind of add flavor to it. I think that's like the the fun thing about barbecue is it kind of just mixes all of that smoky char that you've kind of accumulated <laughs> over the season into your next meal. And then like, obviously you do your deep clean. Like I, I would do it like the beginning of next season. I'll, I'll, you know, take everything apart, kind of go full ham on it. Actually, when we inherited this house, not inherited, I, I'm, no one died and I got this house. We bought this house. <laughs> the we, last owner died in a mysterious yeah, barbecue we were given accident. this barbecue, but they never cleaned it. So I wanted to go in and clean the crap out of it. Uh, right. Yeah. It's an older grill, I would say. Uh, still works perfectly fine. I kind of wish it didn't because my partner's parents were about to buy us like a brand new shiny barbecue and then my partner's like no need no need to waste and (laughs) it's very environmentally friendly of course and i'm like well we could have got a brand new barbecue out of this (laughs) well maybe maybe when this one eventually dies they'll you know the offer might still be on the table i think the window passes like it was supposed to be a housewarming gift so Uh, if this barbecue dies in like three years can i i can't be like can i cash in on that (laughs) i mean if you guys are planning on having kids it could be a kids warming gift right that's right okay that's that's a good incentive Uh, to have kids (laughs) that's the only reason honestly (laughs) free stuff totally speaking as a parent yeah no i uh i get it though like the 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 deep clean of the grill is like like I have not done that this season because I I am of the same opinion, right? Of like you don't want to like thoroughly wash it between each use. You just want to like you know make sure that it doesn't have anything gross stuck to it. Totally. Um, one product that I have been using is um, Weber, who make grills famously, uh, mm-hmm. and who made my grill that I use. Um, <laughs> they have a like spray that's good for cleaning grill surfaces. Um, that basically you like spray it on uh give it a couple minutes to like kind of soak on the metal and then just wipe it off um and it like takes off a lot more of the grease so what i'll usually do is like you know maybe once a week i'll spray the the surface of it assuming i'm using it regularly which i usually do i'll spray the surface with the cleaner once a week give it Mm -hmm. a good clean like that and then yeah every time that you fire it up you just want to you know once you've got your grill lit whether it's with coals or with gas Give it a minute to preheat, you know, let it get warm so that the metal is hot and then give it a scrape down with the uh, with the brush before putting anything on it. And that's a really good way to make sure that your food will taste good and also to make sure that your grill stays in good condition. Yeah, 
Totally. Totally. I think another thing you're just reminding me of like the other things about gas grills and I'm I'm sounding like at the safety police right now, but basically <laughs> like, I, I think it's a true thing where people forget to turn off their, their propane tank. You mm. got to do that. Yeah. I'd imagine it's a, you got to do that. Otherwise a, you lose out on the gas that's being like put into your barbecue, <laughs> but also it's a huge safety hazard. So uh, for me, I would always like turn off the barbecue uh, with the knobs first and then turn off the propane tank. And then like, I'm just paranoid. I will check multiple times <laughs> that it's off because you know, it's just uh you just don't want anything bad to happen and explosions and such. Yeah, no, I definitely get that. So for some context, like we have to keep our grill in our garage when we're not using it because we don't have like a deck or a fenced in backyard or anything. So every mm. time that I grill, I have to roll my grill out into the alley and grill while cars drive by. Wow. Um, and that's an extra element of like, you know, safety because I'm bringing something back into my house that just had fire on it. Right. So every time that I turn my grill off, turn my grill off every time that I like, you know, put out the coals, I have to make sure that I'm not about to light my house on fire. Right. That's so interesting to me because like you're, I'm always thinking about like preheating a barbecue Yeah, and we'll let it preheat for like, you know, 10 minutes or whatever it is. Sure. Like five, yeah. to, five, I would say like five to eight minutes while it's, while it's going. And, and then I'll just like leave to, to, you know, get the rest of my stuff that I need to bring out everything else. So I'll leave my barbecue unintended, but like for right. you, you will leave it in the alley or you don't leave it at all. You're just there. I'm just there. I bring everything down when I get started, which uh, right. makes for a long process. <laughs> Basically like I have to bring down like, you know, all the food that I'm going to be grilling, all the utensils that I'm going to need. Everything has to come down with me in the first like couple of trips down the stairs, especially because my toddler really likes to come downstairs with me, but he's not exactly conducive to like lighting the grill. So I usually end <laughs> up like, having to leave him upstairs which he doesn't love and so if yeah. i'm like making multiple trips to bring stuff up and down the stairs like he's gonna complain <laughs> um, right so i have to try and like carry down like every possible thing on the way down to the basement to go out the garage door uh, and then i'm just stuck with the grill for a few hours like i really can't i can't abandon it because i don't trust that you know that it won't get stolen, which is ridiculous because yeah. you can't steal an active grill. Like it, it would be, it would be very hard to steal someone's I mean, grill while they're if grilling. If someone comes with like oven mitts and then they, just, <laughs> like they, they had full intention of stealing your grill, I'm sure they could do it. Yeah, it'd be very premeditated. I guess they could dump all the coals out like on the ground outside of my house and steal the grill. That's kind of brilliant, actually, because then I'd be too preoccupied with making sure to grill, you know, making sure the coals don't like burn my house down and I wouldn't be able to chase after them. Um, yeah, I guess they would have to study you every time they drive by and be like, oh my God, is that a Weber? Is that a Weber grill? Uh, and then they have this whole plan to just steal your grill instead of spending the, I don't know, $200 on a barbecue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, this is, it's like the most premeditated crime. <laughs> um, okay, so so we've talked a little bit about safety. We've talked a little bit about cleaning. Um, what's your... Uh, What's your go-to? What's your favorite thing to cook on the grill? Out of my recent memory of like using the barbecue, of course, like burgers are great. Steaks are fine. Although I I'm still getting used to our barbecue because every barbecue is different. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. how long to keep a steak on for, which sure. I'm finding a hard time learning the ins and outs of this barbecue for that. I definitely overcooked my first steak, which was like, it, you know, an overcooked steak. It's, it's good, but it's like, 
no. you feel a little <laughs> bad afterward. Yeah, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> but bad tongue. No, um, the other thing is that I've been really, really into is my parents. I'm from a Vietnamese background and my parents make or my dad specifically makes monster meals on the barbecue. He goes crazy. But one of my favorite ones growing up is something called Nam Nung. And this is something that we talked about on the barbecue podcast uh, for my own, the Podcavern podcast, Ranked. And um, I brought this up, I think, as an honorable mention because we never got to really dive deep into what this thing actually is. Right. But now we get to. Yes. <laughs> and, and honestly, like... When I was trying to figure out who should be on this barbecue episode, I thought of you right away because I was like, oh, shit, like, I really want to know everything about Nam Nung. <laughs> so Yes. And I, my dad sent me a recipe because I didn't know how to make it. It's just one of those things. Where I'm like, now I have a barbecue. I need to learn how to make this. Sure. And it used to be a thing now that we live in the pandemic. We live in two different cities where I go back to my parents' place and I would get them to teach me one new family recipe. Uh, I'd have to sit through my parents trying to explain me things in Vietnamese, which I'm, it's terrible. It's, a, it's an awful experience, but the net reward of learning a family recipe was always worth it to me. I love that. But uh, this time, because of the pandemic, I haven't seen my parents in months and months and months. And I'm like, you know what? I can't go through the rest of the summer not knowing how to make this thing. I'm just going to ask my dad to try his best to explain it to me. And my dad's very poor at writing English. So <laughs> he did. He finally did. And I was able to piece together, you know, how to make it. And he sent me a few pictures of like things that you can only pick up at a Chinese grocery store. And uh, I should I should probably explain what it is. It's Nam Nung is grilled pork sausage, but it's like a sweet pork sausage. Mm -hmm. You do stuff to it to make it like a, a, a sweeter experience in your taste buds so it doesn't taste like a like a regular sausage that you buy off like a Loblaw store or anything like that sure. it is ground pork that you kind of put like a fuck ton of ingredients into <laughs> to, to make it into something that is just just so tasty and it goes really well if you want with like vermicelli noodles with uh -huh. like a type of fish sauce that you could also make on the side too and some vegetables or you can just eat it on its own not in a burger well, I mean, I'm not on a burger, not on a bun, but I mean, I'm sure a lot of white people would do it if they had the choice. <laughs> there's it probably, probably like a, there's probably a food truck somewhere that has put that on a bun. Yeah. Like it's not something you want, you're going to put ketchup and mustard and relish on. It's not that right. type of sausage. It, well, it really is a sausage that stands on its own. It, from, from photos of it online, it kind of looks like a pork version of like a kefta, right? Which is the like ground yeah. lamb, uh, like usually cooked on a skewer. Uh, am so I wrong for, about that? Like it's it's kind of a it's kind of kefta esque. Yeah, it's kefta esque, and you could totally put it on a skewer. I don't. I, I I guess I can. I have the recipe in front of me, and this is based on my dad's instructions. So I'm going to try to translate some of it, <laughs> and I won't give the full recipe. But you basically have you know your ground pork. You have uh you're going to put some couple teaspoons of something called muay diem, which is a Vietnamese thing. But like you can find this at like a. Sorry, that's a Vietnamese translation of it. What essentially what it is, it's pork seasoning. Okay. It's a pork seasoning mix that you can get at like a Chinese grocery store, TNT, whatever. Um, you're going to use brown sugar, but like the pieces of brown sugar. Um, like there's brown sugar like sticks essentially that you okay. kind of melt down. Yeah. 
So you would basically take like brown sugar and some water and you'll put it into like a saucepan and you'll dissolve that bad boy for a while. And then you're going to put like a crap ton of sugar in it, like more sugar on top of that. <laughs> so you have your brown sugar, you have your water, and you're going to put several ta uh, tablespoons of white sugar in it and some salt. And you're essentially going to heat that thing up until it boils, stirring it. And here's the kicker on it is that you're going to put like half a tablespoon of fish sauce and put it into this mix. And when you do that, like your saucepan is going to smell a little fishy, which is never pleasant for anybody, but I swear it is like the secret ingredient that you need <laughs> to make this thing work. And you're essentially going to, I use a KitchenAid, although like before I had a KitchenAid, I would just use my hands and just kind of punch like a bunch <laughs> of ground pork together with my fist. Sure. <laughs> but you don't have to do that. If you have a KitchenAid, great. Uh, you can use it as a mixer. So you have your ground pork and you're going to mix this pork seasoning, this muy dim in it, and you're just going to put a little bit at a time. And when I say a little bit, that is literally the instructions my dad gave me. Sure, yeah. So he sure. never gave me a precise <laughs> like measurement for it, which is frustrating. But I was just like, kind of like, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. I just like was like, maybe another like half a teaspoon, maybe right. another half a teaspoon until I was like, eh, I'm, I'm good on the half a teaspoon thing. <laughs> And uh, essentially, well, after you do that, so you have your sauce that you just made, um, and then you have like the the ground pork that you just kind of mixed up, and you're gonna put it in the fridge. And the reason behind that is because you're gonna need to like roll this guy later uh, to make it into its like sausage form. Right. And once like your sauce uh, mixture kind of like cools down, you're going to take the ground pork out of the fridge. I would say like keep it in there for like an hour or two or however long you want. Just like the whole reasoning is because you don't want it to be goopy. You want it to be able to, so you can like kind of form it with your hands, right? Yeah, that makes sense. And then you pour the mixture in uh, while mixing it with like, uh, you know, with your fist or like a KitchenAid. And you're going to put like two tablespoons of or teaspoon whatever you want like again my, my dad wrote two spoons what kind of spoons dad <laughs> fried garlic or whatever like chopped up garlic you have into the mix okay and that's that's just the mixture like that you're you're basically done at this point um of how it like how to mix it up the next part is to roll it and what i did was i would take um uh saran wrap or plastic wrap and I would put like a bunch of, you know, ground pork into this plastic wrap. And then I would use the plastic wrap to kind of like create a, I was gonna say, create a penis shaped looking thing. No, sure, I, yeah. create a sausage. <laughs> I don't have to go that all the way to the penis level. <laughs> so you basically mold your own sausages with this plastic wrap and kind of make it as thick and as long as you want oh my god <laughs> and it's okay then, you're 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 in it now you just gotta roll with it i just gotta roll with it yeah. <laughs> literally and then you'll just kind of form it and uh put it on a plate essentially right and you're gonna do that with the entire mixture is like you're just gonna keep using this mix uh your ground pork mixture into the create into the, the sausage form and at this point if you're ready to grill it great if you're not you can stick it back in the fridge or you could put it in the freezer for a little bit so it's like hard enough for you to transfer over to the grill without it kind of like you know falling apart because that's sure, the hardest yeah. part is like putting it from the plate to the grill without it just kind of like you know just seeping down and like doing <laughs> like going droopy essentially right, right yeah and from there, that's it. Like you just grill it like a regular sausage, and it's you'll know it's done because it, it'll char up pretty good. Mm -hmm. 
and then after that you're 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 done it's that's it i love it i love a good like like lightly charred uh ground meat tube <laughs> For, for yeah, lack of a better. <laughs> I'm trying to say something profound here. I don't know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there is something about that that's just so nice. Yeah, like it's it's. I mean, from the outside, it just looks like a different type of looking sausage. But like, I, I swear to you, this thing is freaking phenomenal, especially with vermicelli noodles and the right type of fish sauce, not the one that you just buy off the shelf. Like you'd also have to kind of like create your own type of uh, fish sauce. I, I can give a recipe if you want later down the road, but like, it's just such a good companion piece. And if you want to go really crazy, uh, what I used to do with Nam Nung is like kind of use scissors to, yes, I said scissors to kind of like chop it up into like smaller little pieces. Oh, sure. Yeah. And I would have my vermicelli noodles and like I would maybe have cucumbers and carrots on the side and some sort of lettuce. And you can eat it as it is as like right there. Or you can get rice paper and roll the sausage, the vermicelli noodles, the cucumber and carrots and dip it into another sauce. Oh, you know what? I love that. I think that's so smart. I appreciate this because I feel like so prior to talking to you about it, I really had this one image of what this is in my mind. And to me, it really was just like, you know, ground pork on a skewer, like a pork kefta with a different seasoning blend. Um, and it's really cool for me to hear like one that I'm a little bit wrong about that in terms of like, you know, it does not have to be on a skewer at all. Although it seems to me like the skewer would maybe solve your like, like texture the skewer would help. Problem. But also like, then you got to deal with skewers, which is always like, you know, <laughs> it's a, it's they an can be annoying. Step. Yeah, totally. Especially if you have like a skewer breaks and then you end up eating a little bit of a skewer <laughs> when you're eating the sausage. Not my favorite. I have metal skewers that are reusable. So they're like, you know, dishwasher safe and you can you know, use them over and over again. Uh, and that is like one of my favorite investments uh, that we've made in the barbecue because I can just skewer stuff every single time without having to worry about the environment. You know what? I think I just learned something. Today. <laughs> I should go do that instead of buying all these stupid packs of wooden skewers that just like, just are such a pain in the ass. Yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. Wooden skewers drive me nuts. I hate using them. Um, yeah these metal ones have changed my life but yeah it's it's really cool for me to learn that like not only can you totally do this without the skewer but there's different ways to like serve it up right like i'm seeing even just from a google image search of nam nang i'm seeing like people make it into meatballs people make it into patties people like slice it up and put it in salads uh, i am in fact seeing the like almost spring roll-esque thing that you just described um oh yeah and i love the idea of a a multi-purpose meat <laughs> if that yeah. makes sense like it feels weird to say multi-purpose about a food but here we are um because i think that there is something to that right like i think that a lot of the time we can be really prescriptivist about the way that we eat our food we can say like you know i'm gonna go grill a chicken breast and then you've got a grilled chicken breast and it's awesome but that doesn't have to be how it's presented on the plate right like you don't have to just put the chicken breast on the plate and say there we go a chicken breast you can cut it up and put it in a salad you can make it into a sandwich and maybe this isn't profound but it's something that i feel like i need to be reminded of a lot that like right you can you can play with the texture of things and honestly your tip about using scissors to cut up sausage let me just say i've done this a handful of times it is a game changer <laughs> It isn't it like people are like, are you using scissors right now? I'm like, hell yeah, I'm using scissors. It fucking works. <laughs> it's the best. My, um, yeah. my, you know, we've got kids and like sausage, hot dog, whatever is something that kids will eat. 
and like you know there's a there's a limited number of things that we can guarantee both our kids will eat um one of them is a lot pickier than the other and uh mm-hmm. like when it comes to cutting up sausages i find it's really annoying because i'm like i'm used to just putting the sausage on a plate and there we go i'm gonna eat it but with the kids like they're not gonna cut it themselves right because they have small hands and they can't use knives well so like we gotta cut it up for them i find most of the time if i just grab a pair of scissors and just chop 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 it's so much faster than like sitting down and like cutting it with a knife and fork and like prepping the plate that way um and totally. I actually, uh, God, who did I learn this from? I feel like it was maybe on Ugly Delicious, a Netflix series uh, hosted by Dave Chang. Um, okay. I think he like visits his mom and she like is making him food or something and just like has a pair of scissors and is like chopping stuff with scissors, like cutting cutting herbs or cutting green onions or something. And like mm-hmm. watching that, I was just like, oh shit, scissors. Yeah, people don't think about it. People yeah. don't think of it. Like my mom, that's how I learned. My mom did that. And I'm just like, this makes so much more sense like taking out the cutting board sharpening the knife and then like you know like whatever you got to do like you have like so much more things to clean <laughs> yeah well and it's just like you get a level of control out of it too right like you can snip like tiny amounts of you, you can make like tiny snips with it just as easily as you can with a knife but you're way less likely to accidentally cut yourself if you're doing it quickly i don't know i am a big proponent of scissors is what i'm trying to say yeah yeah this is the scissors podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> barbecue who <laughs> um cool well thank you for sharing that i um i I don't know if i'll try to grab your dad's recipe specifically because it sounds like it's a little all over the place but i'll try to find a recipe but i was able to make it work yeah yeah, that's the thing is like other people i I think i've tried other nam nung before at like at a restaurant and stuff but it's not the Mm -hmm. same like there's something about my family's recipe and maybe that's just me growing up with my family's recipe that like i like it more because of that but like i i have to say like the law family recipe of stuff is always top notch. <laughs> and I've heard it multiple times from other people who've come over, although maybe they're just being nice, that they just prefer this style of cooking or whatever we put in the shit to 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 bring out the flavors more than you would get at like, you know, your basic regular restaurants. So I will try to give you this recipe, but it might not make sense. But that's okay. Because <laughs> I I winged a lot of this and it worked. <laughs> you know, honestly, at the end of the day, like if you are messing around with ingredient amounts as long as you're not messing with anything that like needs to be a certain amount of cooked in order to be edible yeah it's probably going to be fine right like recipes even if you recipes are guidelines on its own and put it on a grill like it's not going to be what you want it to be but it's still going to probably taste fine yeah honestly (laughs) it's it's still ground pork it's still going to be yummy and fatty and and yum 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 cool well tongue thank you so much for sharing that and um if people want to find you on the internet where can they do that oh i'm all over the internet but i guess i should continue to plug myself (laughs) and the podcavern at www.podcavern.com we have several shows on the podcavern like rank top five list of stuff that don't matter tom's been on that Mm -hmm. talking tongue tom's been on that (laughs) we we have a lot of shows there come check it out and uh spread some podcast joy yeah by by listening to one of our shows yeah i uh i will give a a double plug for the uh the barbecue episode of uh ranked that i did with uh my friends kendallin and damien uh it was a lot of fun we ranked the top five things that you would want to find at a like backyard barbecue party so if you're listening to this and you're like man i really want to hear people deliberate on barbecue for like an hour and 45 minutes i would highly recommend going and checking that out because it's a lot of fun yeah we get really heated so it's good 
<laughs> which is my whole point of the show is like putting people together on a podcast and being like hey you want to argue about stupid shit <laughs> <laughs> i think it's good i think it's uh it, it needs to happen once in a while you know for sure for yeah. sure So I want to take a minute in the middle of this episode before we get to my second guest to talk a little bit about rubs. Uh, a rub at its core is a blend of herbs and spices uh, that you you know apply directly to whatever you are grilling uh, to help make it super flavorful. Um, so like guaranteed any place that you have gone to that serves any kind of like grilled or barbecued meat uh, will certainly have a rub that they put on that thing. A lot of uh, barbecue restaurants will have their own rubs that they've like custom created sometimes you can even buy them uh like at the counter they'll be selling them in little jars if you want to take some take some home and like recreate your restaurant meal um but at its core a rub is a like mix of flavors uh that you can put onto something and there's something really cool about being able to do that yourself Uh, so i wanted to take a minute and talk about that in case you're listening to this and thinking, I would like to come up with my own rub or spice blend, but I don't know where to start. <laughs> Let me help you find a place to start. Um, Weber Grills, who I already mentioned earlier in this episode, they're not a sponsor, but anytime that I talk about barbecue, I'm going to be talking about Weber. Uh, it's not a brand loyalty thing as much as it's a brand familiarity thing. Uh, I love my Weber Grill. I've got the Performer Series uh, grill that is very, very good and fun and has a nice uh, kind of counter attached to it so that I can like prep stuff while I'm grilling charcoal obviously (laughs) um so weber grills of whom i am a big fan posted a handy guide to customizing your own rubs over on their instagram page at weber grills last week and i wanted to share a little bit of that with you you can go find it on their instagram obviously and i've put a link to that in the description of this episode but essentially it breaks down the different categories of ingredients that go into a good barbecue rub or spice blend Uh, so those categories in no particular order are hot ingredients like cayenne pepper or black pepper um sweet ingredients like brown sugar cinnamon that kind of thing earthy ingredients uh like cumin or coriander dried herbs like thyme oregano parsley sharp flavors like dry mustard or garlic powder and uh, of course salt (laughs) um you know whether it's sea salt or kosher salt or you know himalayan pink salt whatever uh you know something salty um you can basically you can make a rub out of any combination of at least like three or four of these categories and it will probably taste pretty good um (laughs) i think the only one that like feels essential is some kind of salt you really want to have some kind of salt in everything you're cooking otherwise the flavors just kind of fall flat but in terms of the other like three or four you can really kind of mix and match and it will probably taste pretty good it'll give you a different flavor profile depending on what it is and a lot of like regional cuisines so like if you've been to a restaurant and you're like wow i really love like ethiopian food or wow i really love indian food like most likely there is a spice blend associated with that cuisine that you could look up and recreate at home to kind of impart those flavors for yourself Uh, my personal favorite is uh cajun seasoning um so i really like cajun food uh which is you know food from like kind of southern coastal u.s so like louisiana for instance um and there's a restaurant in my neighborhood here in montreal called la louisiane that does really good cajun food um and i look forward to going back there one day when this pandemic is over uh but to kind of fill that hole in my heart and my stomach in the meantime i've kind of gotten into cajun cooking a little bit uh, at home on my own So Cajun food at its base tends to have a lot of um, like onion, green pepper, and celery uh, as sort of the like starting point for most meals. Uh, But in terms of a Cajun seasoning, uh, I wanted to kind of break down what goes into that and what categories from that like list by Weber uh, each of those would go into. So first off, you've got uh, smoked paprika, which is 
you know, one of your hot ingredients, um, some kind of salt, obviously, garlic powder, which gives you that sharp flavor, ground white and black pepper for more heat, onion powder for more sharp flavor, dried oregano for, you know, your dried ingredient, cayenne pepper for, you guessed it, even more heat, and thyme, which is another dried herb. I think there there often ends up being a little bit of like a mustard flavor as well. Uh, so I usually, usually throw some mustard seed in there, usually with my like onions, green pepper, and and celery, uh, just to kind of like let the mustard seed kind of release those flavors and become really uh, like fragrant and flavorful. But yeah, that's kind of my like go-to for Cajun seasoning. So if you wanted to like make a rub out of those ingredients I just listed and say rub it on a steak and throw that on the grill for a little while, you could probably get something really nice out of it. So yeah, that's my kind of like quick moment on rubs here in the middle of this episode before getting into the next segment. Do you have a favorite rub or blend? I would love to hear about it. You can tweet at the show at Down With Talking on Twitter or, you know, Heck, maybe leave a review on iTunes and tell me what your favorite spice blend or rub is there (laughs) in your comment on your review, you know? Give us a five-star review and also tell me about your favorite spice blend. Maybe I'll read it on the show sometime. Okay, that's enough for me. Let's turn up the heat and talk to our second guest. All right, so my second guest on this episode is Alex Richards. Alex, how you doing? I'm doing fine, Tom. How are you? I'm doing all right. I uh, Listeners know that I started anxiety meds a couple weeks ago, and uh, today I'm having a bit of the nausea side effect that sometimes comes with that, but uh, honestly, things are pretty good otherwise, so I can't complain. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's that's good. Uh, as, as your listeners probably don't know, I work in adult mental health as well, so I am on board with you taking medications that's what you need to do yeah. uh, and it is totally normal that in the first couple of days that your body's a bit like what the heck is this what did you do God. <laughs> yeah exactly like when I so I'm feeling the effects again because I had to up my dosage which is also normal and uh the first time around, the side effects included like really bad um, like muscle pain. So I'm just glad that I don't have that this time. Like I'll take the nausea if I can like still walk around, you know. But it is a bit weird. It's like yes, I'll take nausea over not being able to walk. <laughs> yeah, I mean these are the these are the the ways that we have to weigh things in the world, right? Yeah. So beyond your uh, beyond your day job uh, as a mental health professional, what um, how do you want to kind of contextualize yourself as a food person in the context of today's recording well i am kind of a barbecue i'm not going to say i'm an aficionado by any means or shape but people generally like it when i fire up the grill and they are usually they don't complain to my face anyway about the results uh so that's that's a good thing I think you're allowed to call yourself an aficionado if you want to. You can hype yourself up. Yeah, but I also have a thing with people that think they're aficionados mm. that aren't. Right. So, yes. Although, hey, I'm on a podcast talking about barbecuing, so uh, what does that mean? That's huh. it. You're, you're like foremost barbecue expert on this call right now. Oh, boy. <laughs> so no pressure. See, that's, that's, that's the other thing. Uh, I know what I don't know, and I can recognize some people that know more than I do. Uh, I was actually just with in law who is a trained chef and it was like we should have thought about this and got him on it, him on it too so uh. <laughs> that's always it's always intimidating eh? when you're like yeah. pretty sure you're good at something that you know like you, you're good at just because you like it and then you meet someone whose job is that and you're like oh shit wait a minute to be fair he's really humble about it too so he's he's all good um <laughs> although about two Three or four years ago, there was a rib fest competition that we were in, and the train chef won, but apparently I 
did quite well in that, so I'll take that. Hey, there you losing go. To the, lo- losing to the train chef was, uh, was a pretty high mark. Yeah, I mean, if you can be, like, the best among the, like, amateurs, then that's still something, yeah. you know? Exactly, and I know where I went wrong, so. Ah, that's, okay, so that actually leads me into, like, one of the things I want to talk about. Um, so this episode is kind of being framed as, like, a barbecue basics and, like, you know, things that okay. you want to make sure that, you know going into it things you wish you'd known before you started um so i'm curious what uh what was the mistake where did you go wrong well um it was in the ribs themselves uh i went a little bit cheap and i for i got i think there were side ribs sure and when you buy side ribs some of the bits are really good but then you get some weird weird bits with like some grizzle and cartilage right uh and i served that and i didn't maintain my temperatures I was using a barbecue that wasn't mine that I didn't know what I was what it, how it would react mm-hmm. and then suddenly that's where I went wrong. Flavor wise I was uh, apparently really on on the ball on the sauce I made so nice. that was it. It was a a technical issue more than a flavoring issue. Well there you go. I mean I think there is something to be said for like knowing your cuts of yeah. meat and knowing how to like prep something before you take it to the grill, right? Cuz cooking yeah. isn't just about, you know, knowing what to do once you're on heat. It's about all the stuff that comes beforehand. Yeah, exactly. You were telling me before, you typically cook on a gas grill, right? I like charcoal, but gas I find is much more practical. Sure. Yeah. As yeah. a as a charcoal user, I uh, definitely get that. I barbecue through the winter. I um, Bad weather, windy weather, regardless, I'm happy to just turn it on, go back inside, and go out when I need to deal with something and just let it do its thing. And it's much simpler on a Tuesday night if we're wanting to barbecue something. That's really not that hard. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's what I always say is like, I love I love grilling on charcoal. I, I'm happy to have a charcoal grill. I do sometimes wish I also had a gas grill for the nights where I don't feel like spending 45 minutes getting the, the heat started, you know? Exactly, exactly. I the, the plan is eventually to get a smoker, but mm. that wasn't quite it. We just moved into a house and like the... Second thing I bought for the house was the barbecue. So. Right. Yeah, you got to go one, one thing at a time. Plus, like, if you're desperate to start smoking, you can smoke on a gas grill. Yeah, but that gets a bit more complicated than sometimes I want to go. Right. So. Yeah, that's but super yeah, fair. Possible, and that speaks to that versatility again. Exactly, yeah. That's it. I um I was looking into sort of the, like, pros and cons of gas versus charcoal, just because I feel like that's something, you know, someone listening to this episode might want, you know, a little bit of perspective on. And honestly, like, it kind of comes down to you know preference right but one of the big things that gas has going for it is like there's a lot of versatility there's a lot of convenience um honestly the main thing that gas doesn't have going for it is that it's not charcoal (laughs) and like you know that's yeah that's just gonna be a thing it it absolutely is and i mean in an ideal world the smoker i'm looking at as well eventually getting um you can also change where you put the the basket and it turns itself into a charcoal grill as well so that's yeah i mean i I think we're in agreement in an ideal world is charcoal but convenience wise that's where the gas comes in as being one of the major pros theoretically the like the (laughs) the one that i have found that is the like seems like the most optimal thing to me uh is actually i have this grill um the weber performer series um it's a charcoal grill but it has a hookup for like lighting your coals with gas so that you don't have to like, you know, use a chimney, which is convenient. The first day that I had it, I didn't 
it didn't really click for me that like I would need to attach a gas canister in order to make that lighter work. So I just stood there for like probably the better part of a half hour trying every couple minutes to light my coals with a button that was attached to nothing. Oh, Tom. And then I thought about it and I was like, wait, there's no gas canister attached to this. You didn't read the instructions, did you? No. Well, I read all the instructions about the actual coal side of it. I just assumed the lighter right. was electric, I guess, which is not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, thankfully I had, you know, a proper gas lighter on the side and I just, you know, used my chimney starter, which if people are listening to this and you don't know what a charcoal chimney is, uh, highly recommended if you're grilling on charcoal, it will make your life a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was embarrassing. It's not like you just put that story out there on a podcast. Oh, wait, you did. Well, you know, I'm I'm all for the transparency on this show, right? And you learn by doing. So exactly. There you go. There you go. There you go. I mean, the other thing that's really good uh, about going gas is uh, temperature control. It's yeah. much easier. It's interesting because I um, – so in terms of, like, the charcoal side of the temperature control – it is kind of fiddly. You do have to sort of figure everything out. Um, but once you've got it, man, is it satisfying. <laughs> what happens if you... You don't have to deal with grease fires, though, do you? No. No, I don't. No. So that is that is probably the downside to gas. Uh, you've got open flame underneath your deflectors. Right. Uh, and I was cooking some frozen patties the other day. That had a lot of fat kicking out there, and then they've just sort of pooled in the bottom, and then we had a nice fire going for a bit. It was like, yeah. But if you know how you're, if you know what you're doing, and you empty your grease trap often enough, that generally doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. But it's just being aware that it can, and and not freaking out. Right. I think that's that's an important like piece of advice for grilling on anything, honestly, whether it's charcoal, whether it's gas, whether it's like a pellet smoker know how to clean your machine um but also know how to like just kind of like practice good fire safety i guess when you're working with flame well yeah i mean one of the things if anybody's looking at getting a gas grill i would highly recommend is don't necessarily go for the side burner i mean the one i've got it's a it's a cuisinart it has a side burner haven't used it yet uh this is the second time i'm buying that particular grill um and I didn't use it on the other one much either. Mm. Um, but your sort of top shelf, sort of a warming rack, that is your friend sometimes. <laughs> In the case where I had this fire, it was just okay. Move everything up to that safety rack, turn it right down, right. and just let the fire burn itself out. Yeah, absolutely. That is one thing that I, uh, my grill does not have a like safety rack or a, you know, sort of warming tray, mm. whatever you want to call it. And uh, I'm constantly kind of like, trying to think of ways to rig one up you know or or you could just like leave an area you're are you setting up an indirect side oh definitely yeah yeah um for listeners uh when we talk about an indirect zone versus a direct zone um i guess this is probably true of charcoal as well or of uh, gas as well right that you can like you know light half of it and leave the other half not um, exactly. Yeah. Um, and the idea there is that some meats, for instance, will cook better over direct heat and some will cook better over indirect heat over a longer period of time. So you want to sort of have multiple cooking zones because that way you can be, you know, say you want to sear a steak, but at the same time you have, you know, 
something else that you're like, oh, this doesn't actually need direct heat to cook. You can have them both going at the same time, or you can let something rest on the indirect zone while something else is cooking on the direct zone. Exactly, and if you're cooking more than one kind of meat at once, you can change it up. I mean, I'm often frying potatoes in this little wok basket I oh, have fun. next to what I... Yeah, it works out really well. But, uh, but yeah, it, it means different temperatures are, are needed, and that's easy on a gas grill. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. On uh, on charcoal, what I usually end up having to do is, like, get the coals all to one side, and that's sort of my direct zone, and then the other side is the yeah. indirect. And, you know, it's yeah. it's harder to kind of gauge where where the temperature really shifts over. So sometimes something mm-hmm. that I think is all on indirect will actually be getting a little bit more heat than I want it to. And that's how you end up with hot dogs where one side is perfect and the other is kind of bubbly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not yes. the end of the world, you know? It's not the end of the world. Yeah, that's true. So we've talked a little bit about like things that you've, you know, cooked in your time, be it ribs or frozen burgers, but I always ask what your what my guests like favorite version of the topic at hand is. So what's your favorite barbecue? It can be something you've eaten from some restaurant. It can be something you yourself love to cook. What's your, like, your ideal? It depends. Um, If it's a Tuesday night and we're just cooking something on a barbecue, I'm very happy to just throw a steak on, veggies on the side, and just go with it that way. If I'm really wanting to make a special meal or a feast if you would. Ribs are good but um, I take a pork loin usually. Mm. Marinate it in a a souvlaki marinade. Put that on skewers. You also take a bunch of vegetables, chop those up, put some oil on them, wrap them up in uh, some tinfoil. You do those sort of on your warming rack at the same time and finally there is a cheese out there, an unpasteurized cheese called halloumi. Ooh, yes. Which doesn't melt when you heat it. It, like, grills itself up on the outside. And you make a couple of skewers of that. So you start off with, and this is one of the examples of the uh, things I've learned. It used to be that when we'd make this dish, we'd sort of do, a uh, like, a skewer each with all the ingredients on it. Mm-hmm. But... Before the meat was done, your like vegetables were dead and your cheese had actually fallen apart. Right. Um, so you cook them separately. Right. Because they need different times, and the cheese just goes on at the end. And you sort of do your your souvlaki meat and and all that, and put that over a bed of rice. It's fantastic, but it's a couple of hours work. Honestly, that sounds incredible. I uh, I have done a like sort of Greek marinated tenderloin before, and it. Uh... It's beautiful. I I cannot think of a way to prepare pork tenderloin that I like personally better than the Greek preparation. A couple weeks ago, uh, we put a rub or some marinade on there. I think it was a Dijon something or other. Mm -hmm. And we just barbecued the the whole tenderloin at once. Sure, yeah. Pork tenderloin is underrated and not known about enough. Honestly, like... I don't think that I had pork tenderloin on a regular basis until like maybe earlier this year when I started like messing around with it a little bit more. It is an incredible cut of meat and it's usually not super expensive. That's right. That's right. And it's it's also quick often. Mm-hmm. I love uh you know even if you're doing it like I bought one a couple weeks ago and I was originally going to grill it and then I think it was raining that day so I said okay fine I'll do it on the stove and honestly even cooking a pork tenderloin stovetop and then kind of letting it broil for the last like 15 minutes just to kind of cook through after you've seared it Mm. 
it's awesome. It's such a, it's so good. It's so versatile. And it like, yeah. I, I like to serve beef medium rare, but with pork, I'm always a little hesitant, except when it comes yeah. to tenderloin. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's the only downside to it is, is that it definitely has a cliff where you can go from, it's good, it's good, it's a little under to completely dried out yep. fairly quickly. So you do have to be careful there. Yeah, it's it's a temperamental is a good word for it. Yeah, it's well that that's it with a lot of um a lot of meats and people that I'm sort of teaching to barbecue. There's a myth out there that put it on direct heat super high and it'll be done quickly. No. <laughs> that's how you burn the outside of something and then have it raw in the middle. Right. Don't be afraid to take your time. Slow it down because then you're, you're more likely to get it cooked through and maintain some, uh, some juiciness in it. Mm-hmm. I think it's easy when you look at a barbecue to assume that like fire will cook something quickly, right? Because you, you look at it and you're like, that's fire. Nothing's hotter than fire. Surely this will, you know, cook really fast if I just put it in the fire. But the nice thing about barbecue is that it's, it's a labor of love and it's a thing that takes time. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I love that. I I really appreciate that you went to Tenderloin. I uh I don't think of it as something that people like jump to right away. So I I think that's a really fun answer. Well, for the for the meal I like to make, it's actually if you buy like a pork loin roast and just chop up chunks of it mm-hmm. and then those on the skewer. I've done it with to- uh, Tenderloin before, but when you're cooking for a large group, uh that can get expensive. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, pork loin itself, not the tenderloin, the loin. There is a difference. Um, that's on me. I uh, I missed that detail. No, that's okay. That's okay. It led us down the the the, the road of the tenderloin discussion. But the pork loin itself is relative. Is also inexpensive and and easy, and you can sort of customize it the way you want. That's it. And they, I think they do cook kind of similarly in terms of like in terms of like juiciness in the end, you know? But they are different. And yeah. uh, the tenderloin is a delicate piece in that you can, as I was saying before, go from this is nearly there to over the top too quickly. But often if you're ending up burning your outside and having to cut into something a few times, you probably started too hot. Right. It's always better to kind of start low and then realize you've got to turn it up. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's always better to just, you know, f- find out what temperature you're supposed to cook something at beforehand and then do it right the first time. I never look at these things, but I've, yeah. I'm 35 now. I think I've been barbecuing regularly since my 20s. Right. You get a level of confidence. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll sometimes look at a recipe that says cook it for this long, but it's not like I'm like, how long do I cook a, a steak or a thing for? It's sure. It's a feel thing. No, I get that. I uh, I'm starting to get that confidence. I I only started grilling regularly this summer, so I still uh, I'll double check just to make sure that I'm like setting everything right because I don't want to undercook the meat and you know be disappointed. But um, actually, a really handy tool for I, I know I've talked about Weber a thousand times on this episode, but people are gonna have to get used to that. I have a brand loyalty thing, um, <laughs> but Weber actually has an app. They are very good. They're great, and they've got an app for um, if you own a Weber grill. I know that you can get this app for free. It's possible it's also available to people who don't have one. I just didn't know about it beforehand. Uh, but it has like ideal cooking times for each like type of meat and every cut you can possibly imagine. Mm. Um, so I'll get a cut of meat and i'll be like oh crap like i don't totally know offhand what i'm doing with this uh and i'll just look in the app and it'll say you know okay red meat 
Spencer steak. I want it medium rare. Here's what you do. How many minutes over direct at what temperature? How many minutes over indirect at what temperature? And nine times out of 10, I get it perfect. And, uh, you know, it's, it's great. It's satisfying. I guess my, my point being never hesitate to ask for directions. Yeah. No, the internet is very much your friend on this. Yeah. I I think there's a tendency, especially in people who are like socialized male to like not ask for help with things. But I think when it comes to cooking meat, you should, uh, you're better safe than sorry, you know? Absolutely. And you can learn something. I mean, there is that saying out there that if you think you're the smartest person in a room, you're in a, you're in the wrong room. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we're going to have to wrap up in a minute, but I just wanted to give you a chance uh, if you've got any like parting wisdom or things that you want to plug and promote, now is a good chance to do that. I don't have anything to promote per se. I mean, barbecuing is my, my sort of side thing. Don't be afraid to ask for help if you're struggling with any mental health issues for sure. Mm-hmm. In terms of final shots, final wisdom, be bold, but don't be afraid to try something. I'm much more versatile now in what I cook than what I started with because I was taking risks and playing around with things. If it doesn't work once, fine. It doesn't work. You know what to do for next time. Obviously, don't try that new crazy recipe when you've got a bunch of people over, but hey, try it. Try it just once on a smaller batch and see how it goes. I like that. Take calculated risks. Practice makes perfect. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Alex. This is a lot of fun. No problem, Tom. So that's it for this week's episode of Up for Discussion. I hope that you got something out of it, whether it was a little bit of advice about rubs or a little bit of advice about, you know, if you're thinking of buying a grill and you weren't sure if you wanted to go gas or charcoal, maybe this gave you some insight. Uh, If you were looking for a fun new way to cook pork, you got two, right? Pork loin turned Greek on the grill with halloumi and vegetables. Uh, Nam nung pork ground up with tasty seasoning and thrown on a grill uh you know what if i'm gonna be honest my personal favorite thing to grill is just cheeseburgers because i am a simpleton but uh, there's nothing quite like a cheeseburger on the grill especially if you have a griddle attachment uh, for your grill which i do with my weber performer series grill plug 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 this episode is not sponsored by them i just really like their products um do you have a favorite way to grill to cook stuff on the barbecue? Tell us about it on Twitter and Instagram at DownWithTalking. If you like this episode and want to help us make the show even better, you can head to patreon.com slash discussion and donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'd be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendallin, Carlea, Thomas, George Poppy, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, Will, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Kate, and Erica. Patrons of our show get access to our private Discord server, the ability to request topics for episodes of the show, invites to exclusive monthly dinner parties on Zoom, and so much more. Again, that's patreon.com slash up for discussion if you want to donate. We also have merch. You can hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at Public, including stuff with our new logo by David Flam. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend. Our theme music is It Takes a Little Time by Zach Ingalls, and our cover art, like I said before, is by David Flam. You can find links to support both of them in the description of this episode, and frankly, I think you should, because they're both very, very talented. Last but not least, the show is produced and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. It just takes a little time It takes a little time It takes a little time
I'm Tefra Jemian, the producer and host of the Yeah Podcast, a young adult lit review podcast focusing on amplifying the diverse voices in YA literature. Join us as we dig into the world of young adult books, reviewing new releases, revisiting old classics, and exploring what YA lit can teach us at any age. Discover the world of YA lit through exclusive author interviews, book reviews, genre smackdowns, and more. The Yeah Podcast, available through the Upward Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever else you find your podcasts. This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah! Hi, I'm Howard Mitnick, host of Gateway Music. Join me as I talk with people about the artists and albums that changed their lives and about the artists and albums that changed mine. Available on the Upford Network and wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm.